think the first time I heard that song was at a rave more than 30 years ago. I was not sober. Because here's the thing. When you go to a rave, you go to a rave sober. You don't go to be like, there should be some interesting people to meet here tonight. Because there's going to be people with their heads buried in 50,000 watts of bass bins jamming back and forth all night because they are lost in their own world, which is what a rave is all about. And kind of what that song is about for me. The grid swamp thing as we kick things off here. On the Brian Oak Show, episode 214. Congratulations, Sean. Congratulations. How's that voice doing? It's not good. I told you, I woke up this morning, I feel fine, right? I had a a COVID test earlier today because apparently I was exposed at my other job. Um, And so I went and checked. Not like that, unfortunately, David, but we'll get to that. Um, And so I woke up this morning and it was gone. So like, this is actually better than my voice has sounded all day. Well... We're going to play plenty of music. Luckily, I don't rely on my voice. Do the talking. I don't rely on my voice very much for a living, so. Huh. (laughs) I call this shit the cash register. And you know what it sounds like this morning? So did you drop some... Did you drop some E before you went to the rave or at the rave? Oh, there was a wide. Because I had a roommate that that's what his deal was. Panoply of different industrial and totally untested, unproven, and really unknown chemicals that we would take beforehand. <laughs> e was common, but I remember like for, there was a period of time for about three or four months where people were like, no, this is an experimental Canadian psychoactive. It's called <laughs> ML34 or whatever. They would have all these different names. I'd be like, fucking cool. Let's snort that shit. So again, <laughs> that period of my life was not very long, and I'm glad to have have survived it but there were times where it, so e if you get pure ecstasy it really is the closest thing i've ever felt to a happy pill unfortunately <laughs> back in the day and i think even to this day and now they're cutting it with all kinds of dangerous shit but back in the day in the late 80s and early 90s it was almost entirely cut with speed so before you got to the euphoria and the sort of exploding beautiful miracle of being alive portion of ecstasy or mdma there was the white knuckling period where you're sitting at a table at first avenue and you're literally holding on for dear life as even as a young man i'm like i'm gonna have a heart attack my heart is pounding out of my chest i'm sweating profusely i'm literally hanging on for dear life to a table that i'm sitting at and after about a half hour of that then the fun starts but um Kids, and I'm going to say this in all sincerity, having sort of explored much of the spectrum, not all the spectrum, but much of it, stay in school, don't do drugs. Is that reasonable? That seems fair. Again, I mean, you're gonna if you're gonna do them, you're gonna do them. And I'll, I'll be honest, I had some fucking kick ass times on drugs, <laughs> but there there is a cost to be paid, and there are nights that you're not sure you're gonna make it. And some people, let's be honest, okay, I guess we're gonna be real frank. It's the end of the year. Who gives a fuck? Some people don't make it, right? So don't fuck around. There's some really bad shit out there right now. But, you know, if you want to dance around a little bit in the deep end of the pool, just be cool. And make sure you got friends with you. Don't you? think there's a handful of people out there that have a case of the fuckets because of the latest variant i mean aren't, aren't people kind of at their wits end with this whole thing i mean no matter where you're at uh i think people are kind of like okay what the fuck well i mean i had my 13th test of yes. the covid season as we'll call it the last two years um earlier today it was a rapid response and i'm clean but i got something going on like my voice has virtually vanished so yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna talk very little because today we've got a fascinating fascinating guest he's joined us before in fact when we were just putting the smart start mn studio together he 
way more than I did, helped you bring that residual futon right there up into this very That's room. That's right, he we, did. We recruited him. Like We're like, hey, man. And he's like, no problem, I got you. And he's... We, we've got it. We literally, before we said a word to him, have pressed him into manual labor. But here we are, low these many years later. David Anani will be joining us very shortly here. Uh, drummer extraordinaire and, I don't know, I mean, what, what do you say? International Bone Vivant, Blue Man Group member, I, Greasy Meal practitioner, and now is returning to Minnesota. We're going to talk to him just ahead. But before we do, I do want to mention Smart Start MN. Without mm-hmm. them, we are nothing. More than two years ago, we kicked off this podcast. And Smart Start signed on day one and said we're in. And they're still in now, episode 214. Uh, we can't thank them enough. But we also have to remind you that they provide a really valuable service. We would love it if no one ever drank and drove again. Of course, it would mean our primary sponsor would be out of business, but we also know better, right? I mean, like humanity, that's not how it works. People drink and drive. You shouldn't, but if you do and you get popped and you're lucky enough to not hurt anybody or do anything genuinely criminal other than being an idiot, they can get you back into your car sooner and for less money than you might otherwise expect. Yeah, and we of Irish descent believe in Murphy's Law and one in seven Minnesotans will get a DUI in their lifetime. Oh my God. So you're going to know somebody that gets a DUI. Have them go to Smart startmn.com slash the Brian Oak show. That'll get them 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Plus they're really good people. So we have a very, for our final show of 2021, we're welcoming back one of our own. We're welcoming back a truly impactful Minnesotan after we thought we'd lost him. We thought he defected to Germany. Actually, I mean, you live in Berlin for almost 20 years and you're clearly a communist or you've got something going on maybe even with the belarusians i'm not sure what it is but we'll we'll figure it out just ahead but we welcome his musician uh, musical aptitude and his attitude in general back to the twin cities david anania joins us next just ahead but first we're at the end of the year and i think on our next show sean if you don't mind i would like to talk about our favorite songs Love of it. 2021 so this is one of mine again to some people, it may seem weird that a middle-aged man like myself, am I still middle-aged at 53 no. or am I just old now? I, am I, I, I think past middle-aged? Isn't it dumb that they actually consider middle-aged like I think 40 to 55, but who the hell's in? I mean, then I am still technically middle-aged. You're middle-aged. Yeah. But I mean like on the old end of it. Yeah, it's almost over. It's fucking you're, over. You're almost in the last chapter. <sighs> Numerically mature. I promise you these last couple chapters are going to be interesting though. In any event, it may seem weird that a man of my age, disposition, musical inclinations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, enjoys this music, especially from a former Disney princess, but Olivia Rodrigo put out one of the most incredible records of the entire year called Sour. In fact, she's up for almost all the the, the big Grammy categories this year as a result of this particular record. And I got to be honest, I've always liked good pop music. I, I don't feel any shame in that game at all. And it's always fun to find new good stuff. And Olivia Rodrigo is newest good stuff. This song's called Driver's License on The Brian Oak Show. driver's license last week just like we always talked about cause you were so excited for me to finally drive up to your house but today I drove through the suburbs crying cause you weren't around 
probably with that blonde girl who always made me doubt. She's so much older than me. She's everything I'm insecure about. Yet today I drove through the suburbs. 'Cause how could I ever love someone? Say what you will about that particular song. You don't have to like it by any means. And by no means are award shows the metric for what is good or what is worthwhile or what will stand the test of time. But that particular song right there by Olivia Rodrigo, up for both record and song of the year, as well as her latest release, Sour, up for album of the year. As, again, when you hear that someone's a former Disney princess and they've moved into the world of music, 
skepticism should be the order of the day. But in that particular case, I really, really like that record. I'm Brian Oak. It is the Brian Oak Show. It is made possible by our good friends at Smart Start MN. And also, my good friend Sean. Sean, how's the realty business these days? This is not the time of year where people are moving units. They are, actually. At least really? I am. It's busy. Yeah, I just uh, showed a place yesterday and uh, should have a closing a week from today and have other friends that are looking for the impossible, you know, so that happens where <laughs> it's, it is, it, it can be a tough time of the year because the inventory is lighter and it's already a tough time for inventory, meaning that people are listing their homes. Right. But it happens that I've got a, a new listing coming up uh, next Thursday. So I'm still busy. Uh but it's not as busy as it will be come the spring. A lot of people planning out uh, their moves, uh, you know, whether it's somebody who their their folks are moving on to that next living place or they're going to be empty nesters, which seems to be kind of popular in our age group where they're going to be empty nesters. They're like, okay, now we can live where we want to live, you know, and that's what we did as well. But Even if that means not living together. Sorry, was that out loud? It's still the holidays. <laughs> okay. Not really. No, that shit's over. We've spent way too much with our spouses. I don't know. I mean, how do people survive this? It's just entirely too much time with another human being. Agreed. What? Six one two eight five nine two five nine four. If you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell. And this year, uh, actually, I should say in 2022, I'm going to donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local musician or band. You know, that one of my favorite things to say, and sometimes I say it in earnest, sometimes I say it jokingly, but I think that there's a, a strong fiber of truth that runs through it no matter which way it comes out of my mouth. Time apart makes time together more special, which is why introducing our next guest um, warms my heart a great deal because we were friends on social media for a long time and he joined us here on the show. And literally during that first time, helped us carry it, the mo- the heaviest piece of furniture in this room into this room. And that was so long ago. Berlin has been his home for the better part of the last two decades. And now he returns to the place that he originally called home. He is a drummer extraordinaire and has done so, so much. I'm not going to damn him with faint praise. I'm just going to say welcome back, David Anania. How are you, David? I am absolutely fried. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, but what I appreciate about that is honesty. Like I, my voice is gone, and so I'm going to try to let you do as much talking as possible. But even I feel like even if I were choking on nails right now, I love talking so much that I wouldn't be able to stop myself. So let's start before we go any further. You're fried. Why? I'm fried because I'm in this really unique space in my head and my like biological makeup where I am. I'm right on the fence of being acclimated to central time as opposed to seven hours ahead of central time. With Berlin, Germany. With Berlin, Germany. Right. But I'm kind of not. And another kind of piece of the puzzle is over the last couple of days, I've had the great fortune of having a roof over my head, which the weather's been fantastic and beautiful, but it's also very cold. Right. And where I've been staying, I've been dog sitting. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And now, are you a dog guy to I begin am with? A hundred percent a dog guy. So you're down, but these are not your dogs, so the rhythm is different. Well, here's the thing: like, I sort of I have great luck with dogs. I just sort of feel like I'm always like good at connecting with them and allowing them to feel safe, and you know, whatever. And this has been no different. These dogs are absolutely lovable, and they are very loving. However. 
There's two of them, and they have a combined weight of, a, I'd say, a solid 400 pounds. These are big dogs. These are massive dogs. Okay. What are the right. breeds of the dogs? <laughs> One of them is a Mastiff, I think, Ooh. like Marmaduke. I was going to guess right? Mastiff when you said that. Like where that the day. head alone is where it weighs it's, 50 pounds? The, the, it's the like jowls? The, oh, we're going to talk about the jowls. I'm, I'm right here. The jowls are a receptacle of all of the different liquids. Oh. And, and they sway oh. to and fro. Wait, it's whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Other than spit, what are the different liquids? Water. Okay. Uh, chewed food. Oh, that's not a liquid, bro. Well, that's like a slurry. Yeah, once it gets in that saliva. Oh, it's it's like it's like a Dairy Queen blizzard made out of. So Alpo. when when did you get back, when did you get back? Oh, that, I've been a pass on that one. No need to hold that one upside down. No, we'll just, we'll just leave that here. What? Um, when did you land back in the states from Germany? It was actually it was a week ago. Today's Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A week ago yesterday. So it's still. I mean, like it's still taking time for your clock to come back online. Pretty much. I yeah. mean, the they, rule of thumb is like a day for every hour or something. So, oh, so I, here we are. I should be kind of here we are, but not yet. With these beautiful dogs that I'm caring for, they've made they've they've altered my rhythm a bit. Like they're just one of them is just comfortable and great, but also very whiny and. Uh huh feels the need that he just has to sleep in the bed of course which is right by you which is really wonderful i love he loves you david i, I, I feel, he loves I, you i feel that <laughs> and I, I and i i feel i felt it like in my torso and on oh. my leg cutting off the circulation for half the night last night well and big animals like that too i mean they're not they're not exactly sensitive about sleeping places i remember sharing a couch with one of my best buddies pitbulls one time and Again, one of the sweetest animals I've ever met in my life, but no recognition of personal space whatsoever. No. Yeah. And then we can get back to the jowls at that point, too, because it's just like I feel like I'm getting painted oh, half the time. Oh, no. Like, yeah. So, Ooh. but, but big hot, slobbery jowls just, on your neck all night. There's steam and you're just spooning like, with the mastiff. <laughs> And there's sure no that, payoff. Like not are you like, sure a, like a wife. No, or, I'm not. I'm not even getting paid for this. No. Um, huh. No. But they, they're beautiful dogs. But I've, it's definitely like I'm realizing. Oh, okay. This is a whole different level of like time management and requiring care because you, if they don't do what you would just like them to do, like move, right, walk, come in the house, yeah, whatever. There's no way of making that happen. Not with one person. It's and, like WWE, like you have to go out there and do a suplex or a whole body move, yes. and even then with a mastiff for something that big, that's impossible. I was online looking at catapults, because that's, <laughs> that's the only option. That <laughs> at I least get them closer to the house. <laughs> it's like, not going to hurt him. No. But so it, it's been great, but I've also like, there have been like, like there's been very little sleep in the last 48 hours. So All right, well, I'm glad. This is what you get today. I, that's fine. Well, this is what you get, unfortunately. All right, it's the end of the year, that's and I'm ready to call it a, a day as well. But we're going to muddle through this, all three of us together. Uh, David, I want to talk about your return to Minnesota, and I want to talk about your adventures abroad. And, I mean, adventures doesn't even seem fair. It's like a good third plus of your life, right? It's it's actually well, almost I'm half. actually not really that old. No, 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 I am. I, I am. I am. We're 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 kind of the same. The I same doubt that very well. Then yep. you know what? You're holding up better than I am. Well, okay. In any event, it's been a big chunk of your life that you've been abroad, and you've okay. decided to come back to the Upper Midwest. Which there are those who live on the coasts, or maybe in places like Dubai, and far more interesting, or supposedly more interesting places, who would wonder. 
fuck is that guy thinking? We're not going to cover it right now. We're going to cover it when we come back. Oh. Sorry, just ahead. We have all kinds of time, but I don't like to go too long without hearing some music. Now, you've chosen three songs here, and this particular one by Graham Central Station, I want to know why you picked this one. Okay. Well, because it's absolutely one of the funkiest yeah. ever. And we you to- as a drummer, by the way, would understand the nature of funk. Can I ask you now, I really, I hate to get in the way of the music, but I want to ask you because I feel like I'm probably one of the least funky people on the planet. doesn't mean I don't have an appreciation for funky music. What is it? Is it syncopation? Is it beat? Is it writing? Is it just raw attitude? What makes a song different from a standard R&B song? What makes it funky? What is funk? Uh, well, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, it, it's a feel. And for me, like, like what makes something funky, it's like, actually, you'd think, okay, well, it comes from the drummer, but it, it kind of doesn't. The drummer could just be playing, like, something straight ahead. Like, like you could take, like, the sample of Phil Rudd playing You Shook Me All Night Long, just the drum groove. Yeah. And, like, it's what happens around it, like, that could actually make that drum groove could actually be super funky. Because Even though it's, it's a pretty straightforward, it's, it's super straight. Like Prince, Prince was great at that stuff. Like yeah. all, his drum programming, a lot of it, like the Lynn stuff, was super straightforward. But it was like all the stuff that was happening around it, like the bass part or the guitar part or the clavinet, the keyboard stuff. And so it's like, so does it t- come down to timing or syncopation? I mean, am I able? If someone sat down without ever hearing a song and looked at the sheet music of all these parts you're talking about, would they be able to look at it and go? Damn, that's some funky shit right there. Not not from the sheet music. You yeah. have to hear it. It has, right. it's a feel. Like it's a feel that and you can't you can't teach it. You gotta you you have you have to get it somehow. And you get it from listening and from just kinda maybe having it in you somehow. But it's you you can what is it, academia is it? Is that the right word? I'm sure. I haven't been here. I, there's a German word that's probably six times as long. <laughs> um, but but you can talk about it all day. Same thing with jazz or Latin, mm-hmm. like because they're all like cultural and it's yeah. feel based on a feel that you just have to. So explore. there's not an actual musical thing. It's expression. It is aesthetic. It is how it comes out of the players or the player. Exactly. Interesting. All right. Well, here we go. Graham Central Station hair on the Brian Oak Show. Take two words like 
square The truth will shine and knock your hair Even the blind can damn they'll see What's outside you and inside me Despite expert tutelage and an incredible example, I still have no fucking idea what funk is. I, you know, I, I, I'm trying, man. I mean, I know it when I hear it, but I don't know what makes it funk. I mean, I feel like there are these incredible hooks, you know, like more hooks than a tackle box kind of thing. Like pop music has it, and a very different animal, of course, but when you hear that hook, like 
part of funk is like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I feel that. Oh, and then all of a sudden you're getting pulled down the conveyor belt and there's no looking back. And there you are on your way to funky freedom. Or Funky Town. Oh, well, Funky. We happen to be in Funky Town right now. The Smart Start MN Studios located in South Minneapolis, very close to the uh, intersection of 48th and Chicago. Before we continue with our guest, David Anania, who is back after, I don't know, I think most people thought he left and probably had gone over to the other side. He's back here in the Twin Cities after nearly 20 years in Germany. Better part of the last two decades, he's back. But before we continue our conversation with him, I do want to mention um, the good people at Forgotten Star Brewery. Yes. They have an iconic building in the far north of Minneapolis. In fact, it's technically in Fridley, but it's in this gorgeous industrial park. Okay, the park itself isn't gorgeous. Their building is an old refurb, World War II manufacturing facility. They're right on the railway. It's a cool little spot to go and hang. And speaking of doggos, as David was, they're entirely doggo-friendly, both indoors and out. they got a ton of cool outdoor events coming up. They're a big curling destination. Can't imagine with my knees I'd be much of a curler, but it I can see where people would get into it. Um, they have that. They have all kinds of specials coming up, music, comedy, that kind of thing. And again, as I mentioned, doggo-friendly. So ForgottenStarBrewing.com if you want to know any of the details about our friends over there. I'm Brian, that's Sean, and this is David Anania. So, David, the 32nd <clears throat> elevator speech version because uh, the last time you were on, I feel like we talked about all your youth and all the bands you played with. For those handful of people remaining in the upper Midwest who may not be familiar with your name, give me the 30-second version of how music started for you and who you played with up until this point. Okay, so I was four years old, and um, I'm the youngest of three, mm-hmm. and the middle brother is 10 years older than I am, and I, I like, to the day, I ruined his 10th birthday. He was going to, they, they were going to an amusement park, what and a they, jerk. Had, they had to turn around. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Has he ever let it go? No, actually, he helped me out more than I could possibly have ever Okay, very good. Because he was a drummer, and so, uh, you know, he'd be off going to high school, and I was still young, and so I had nothing to do. I was running around the house and found his drum kit. And just started thwacking away. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I was very fortunate. Uh, my mom got me my first kit. And I just started playing along the records. And then the same brother, whose 10th birthday I ruined, um, said, <laughs> Wow. Hey. Yeah, I know. He, he's back again. He's like, I want to play this record for you. And he played a Genesis live record called Seconds Out, which was like from 1977. And it was the first time that Phil. Um, Collins had stepped out from behind the kit to do the lead vocal duties. And so they went out on a tour and they had to find a tour drummer. And they got this guy named Chester Thompson, who was like in Frank Zappa and Weather Report. Mm. And just, you know, wow. And yeah, heavy. And I heard them playing at the same time. And even though I had been drumming and playing along to different records or whatever for the last few years, all of a sudden I was like, I just want to do that. And I don't know what it was, but, and, you know, it's prog rock. It's like 15, 25 minute long songs, odd time signatures, whatever. But it was this double drumming that just knocked me out. And I was like, I want to do that. And so that was this, these two pivotal moments in my life were like somehow from the same brother who I wouldn't have been surprised if he actually just hated me forever. <laughs> but he actually like really was paramount in the shape of my life. That's fabulous. So, I mean, and what I love, too, is we don't get to pick what we love, right? But all of a sudden, if something triggers the switch in your lizard brain, 
that's where you are. That's what you do. I mean, that's who you become. So I know you played with Greasy Meal. Mm-hmm. Who else locally would have you, have you played with? Well, I was super, super fortunate. Um, you know, I ended my my university career, and I was on a tour. I went to a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the U of M in the jazz department, got a jazz degree. One of my best friends was a great bass player and a, still a dear friend of mine, Jeff Bailey. And through Jeff, I started to kind of meet people around town, and I ended up playing in this wicked quartet with uh, Cynthia Johnson from Lips Incorporated, and then wow. also Dr. Mm-hmm. Mambo's Combo at the time. She was singing, and uh, the guitar player was the music director, Solly Hughes, who was from More by Four fame, and the bass player was Doug Nelson, who passed away, sadly, back in, I guess, I can't remember the year exactly, but it, like late 90s. And he was the bass player for Dr. Mambo's Combo. Wow. And he and I got along great, and we loved playing music together. And then he invited me down to um, sub for Michael Bland in Dr. Mambo's Combo. And so that happened, which then led to me being recommended for Greasy Meal. But that started happening, I guess it was like 93, 93 or 94. And So that was a standard, but even back then, was it the Sunday night, Monday night bit? It was... Oh, I don't remember if they're just going. I th- might have just been to Monday nights at that just time. Monday nights. All right. They, I think they cut because out. after a while they became the Sunday Monday thing, right? Well, it started out that way. Okay, and then I think they cut back to I think it was just Mondays for a while. And All now, right, now it's Sunday. Now it's just Sundays. Okay, yeah. just Sundays. Yeah, but I mean, downtown Minneapolis before the North Loop became the North Loop. Back when that warehouse district was really kind of the derelict district, and there were oh, just yeah. a handful of places to hang out that you wanted to be in. Bunkers was the place, man. I mean, that was the destination down there before all that crazy money came in there. And you played there for a long time. Yeah, I did, I did about two or three years subbing for Michael when he, he'd go out with Prince. Right. Um, and then through him, I got recommended to join Greasy Meal. Right. And so there there was a little while there where I, where I would do double duty because Greasy was playing on Sundays at the Caboose, so that still left my Mondays free. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting my ass kicked twice a week. And it was incredible. Um, because I mean, you, play, couldn't, you can't fuck around. Well, in, but that, that's you know. the whole bit. Even playing with people of that caliber, when you think, hey, man, it's rock and roll, it's fun. But people who are used to achieving at that level in any walk of life, not just rock and roll, right? Not just funk and R&B, but in any walk of life, if you find yourself in a group that is relying on you to hold up your end of the deal, you have to hold up your end of the fucking deal. So, I mean, this isn't like just a jam out. This isn't a chance to get kind of buzzed and have a little fun playing the drums. You're you're executing your toil at the highest level you've ever had to. Yeah, and, and believe me, it's like I, there were a couple of nights where I tried out that whole when you're buzzed part. Oh, yeah. And I regretted it immediately. Yeah. In almost 30 years of being on the air live, I got super high once. Like, went out and just killed the whole Jay by myself out in the, in the alley. Came back up, and I'm like, it's Saturday night. This is going to be cool as fuck. It literally happened when I was 26 years old. I'm now 53. Never once have I been high on the air again since that time. It, it's it, it's worthless. I mean, if you want to be any good at what you do, you kind of have to have your head about you, man. Hold, pull it online for four hours, and then you can go do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. Uh-huh. And and you're able to afterward, yeah. you know. And also with Greasy, we had we were super lucky. We had a crew, <laughs> so we could just <laughs> leave the stuff and then just you know whatever. <gasps> right. Yes. Oh, oh because being a drummer, so I know more than a handful of drummers, and I always feel bad when you're I'm still sorry. in the move. Your <laughs> I, I do unfortunately, but I'm move. You know, you're you're still at the phase of the career where you got to take care of all your own gear. 
The drummer's got the worst of it by a mile. Yes. Even if someone's got like an incredible pedal case or an outrageous, you know, stack behind them, the drummer has it worse than anybody. It, we we do. And it's it's got to it's got to get torn down at some point and there's no good time to do it. The drums are not going to set or tear down themselves, are they? Nope. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and so, you know, and I I take pride in in being you know, at least when I'm being hired to to be as professional as possible. And of course. for me, that also there's a comfort level of like I want to get there early because it's you know, it's physical activity to get the thing set up and I want to have some downtime so I'm not going right from like twisting wing nuts and all this kind of stuff to playing cuz you know, it's too much. So I would get there really early and then, you know, we're the we're first to show up and the last to leave. That's kind of one of the many drummer jokes. Um that's unfortunately not a joke. It's actually real life. <laughs> right. But so, you know, maybe it kept me out of some riffraff. Mm, debatable. But it's really like that's the only that's, you know, when you I, watch your bandmates as a tambourine player. That's I, well, I was going to say, when you watch your bandmates throw their arm around whoever it might be and heading towards the backstage, you're like, I could be there right now, but I'll see you guys in 45 minutes once I get this all torn down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally cool. So at some point after a very auspicious beginning, I mean, this is, you're you're playing at a very high level at this point, right? I mean, in terms of locally, who's known, who they're connected to, who comes out to see them, you know, maybe not getting national contracts. But to me, that's not the combo vibe. Mambo's combo is as definitive a part of Minneapolis as anything else I can actually think of. It's part of the cultural fabric. So you're playing at this incredibly high level. And then what happens that you're like, you know what? I'm going to Berlin, bitches. Yeah. Well, um, Greasy Meal broke up. Yeah. Like, yeah, we we, we stopped playing. And then um, Jim Anton and I went on tour with Shannon Kerfman. You, mm-hmm. Some of you may who are listening may know who she is. She's mm-hmm. a fantastic musician at that time. She was also like signed to a major label deal by Clive Davis, and she was kind of the deal. And so Jim and I had some downtime, so we went out on the road with her, and we we did a lot with her. Like you know, it was like some national TV stuff, a lot of gigs, and you know, our, my, our first gig was Good Morning America. It was like my first big right. TV game. Wow. I was like, oh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so fa- fast forward like a year later, um, one of Jim Anton's greatest friends, and if I wasn't clear that Jim Anton's the bass player from Greasy Meal, and right. he and I were Shannon's rhythm section. So one of Jim Anton's greatest friends from a ways back, because um, I think he was going to McAllister College, this guy named Ian Pei, who ended up being the original drummer and co-creator for a lot of the music for Blue Man Group. Right. So I got to be friends with Ian, and we were hitting New York a few times on this tour, and at that time, this is the spring of 2000, Blue Man Group had just really kind of turned up the heat. Like, they had just opened their show in Las Vegas. They started in New York in 91, which is like 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Boston, 95, Chicago, 97, Vegas in 2000. Then they did this Pentium chip ad for intel and exploded and so you know we were hanging out at ions one time in new york and he's like hey you want to hear like the we're just coming out with a cd i was like okay cool i'd heard about blue man group didn't hear them and all of a sudden puts in this thing and it's like multiple drummers and i was like immediately i went back to 1979 when my brother played that genesis record for me and i was like that's it right and we were coming to, you know, we we're finish line of the tour and we didn't know if there was going to be a, a next one. And turns out there really wasn't. 
Um, and so I was like, if you, to Ian, I'm like, if you hear of any auditions for any place, I prefer New York. Please let us, let me know. And I will do whatever I need to do to prepare for the audition. And as you would have it, a few, like two months later, I get a phone call from Ian. He's like, so there's a spot in New York that's opening up because one of the sub drummers, is, his wife's having a baby. He's like, we need somebody. I'm like, I'm there. Right. Flew out October of 2000 and made it through the week, got callbacks, did the audition like five minutes before getting on the plane to come back. They're like, I was like, oh, I guess I didn't get it. So I called, left a message on the answering machine at the theater. They're like, oh, nobody called you? Of course not. Yeah, because I mean, the thing was, is like there were capable people have taken this job who lived in New York City and I was still here. And they're like, why would somebody want to leave a great music scene to move to New York for a guaranteed one show every other week in New York City? And I was like, because I love it. I want to do this. And so, you know, 10 days later, I packed up a Mazda 626 and took some ecstasy and drove to New York. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. Oh, um, you're so, kind of kidding. Yeah, I'm kind of kidding. <laughs> you're not really kidding. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, that sounds like, it's okay. Sorry, you I don't hear like, Look, here's the deal. There's, there's no shame in that game because it's so far in the past. If anyone is still willing to hold that against you, they screwed up because you would go on to get noticed <laughs> in New York City and it would ultimately take you to Germany and where you've been, you've lived in Berlin for what, the last 17 years? Yeah, one third of my life. It was so ex- executing your toil in shiny blue grease paint with <laughs> neon drumsticks and again i'm not making fun man i've been to see uh, blue man group twice i went i went and once watched them watch the headline the target center and um it was incredible like it's not just this crazy drum core thing right like for people who don't know blue man group there is this especially once you get to that scale right you can't just do the big eyes and a little bit of stuff on the you know the drum kits there's got to be a whole multimedia presentation it was a proper rock arena show it was amazing man do you remember what what year that was because we, we, we i want to say 98 or 99 it might have been 97 i'm trying to remember the name of the woman who opened <laughs> up the show she had a song called butterfly and i can't think of her name well we because we did we did this thing called the complex rock tour and that was in 2003 and Is there we had, a lot of countdown stuff like one two three go yeah there were, we did the rock concert movements and like all this stuff, but there was what um, year was that 2003 oh, so man, it could have been that late but i think it was earlier than but that. um and venus hum was the opening act then it was 2003 yeah. and i have i have misremembered because venus hum is the act i was thinking of yeah she she they were they were fantastic yeah, she's yeah. got an amazing voice she and, does um, so we had her and tracy bonham was also on that tour as one of the opening acts, and mm-hmm. then she sang. They they each sang a couple of songs with Blue Man Group because they don't. Sing, right. So we had help. So I saw you perform as a blue band. Well, yeah. I mean, t- for all in for all intensive purposes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. We, that's. Go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not actually a blue man, but the band does also we do we do paint we have like this kind of futuristic kind of tribal glow-in-the-dark thing which is really cool it's sort of ritualistic in a lot of ways which is really fun but i'm not an actual blue man i'm too short are you kidding me right now i'm dead serious there are you're not that short what how tall do you have to be to be a blue man six inches no um sorry 
Is this a family show or was it? <laughs> oh, it no. was. Okay. Fuck all that shit. Okay. It's not a family show. Um, so you have to be within five nine and six one, and I am, or five ten and six one, and I'm five eight and three quarters or whatever. But it's okay because it's I would okay. not. I would as much more. I would make more money, but I much rather be the drummer for the show. It's way, interesting. It's way. It's way more fun. All right. Before we find out more about your Blue Man Adventures and why you're actually back here in Minnesota, which we are going to get to the bottom of, I swear to God, we're going to hear a song from Prince. Um, How, I mean, obviously knowing the people you know and playing the people you have played with, your Prince adjacency is pretty well established, right? Did you ever have the opportunity, even earlier on when you were referring to, when I was questioning you about the nature of funk, when you talked about his Lynn drum machine, the first time I went on a tour of Paisley Park, which they offer on the regular after the advent of his passing, um, they brought us into Studio A, and there was that damn limb drum machine right there. And when I think about the album 1999 and how not only important it was to me on a personal level, but what it meant between, like, I knew nothing of R&B and funk growing up. I knew a lot about New Wave. Square white kid from the northern suburbs. <laughs> Shit, yeah, I was into New Wave. But... When my friend Tony introduced me to Prince, and it was first with Controversy, um, and then we went back to Dirty Mind, but then 1999 is the one that really hit me in the heart, the one that really changed it for me. That impossible intersection of pop, new wave, R&B, funk, and at the heart of it, I, I think the thing that appealed to me most was that electronic pulsing heartbeat of the Lynn drum machine there's nothing else like it, man. And I, looking at it right there, like, oh, yeah, that's that's Prince's Lynn. And I'm like, his Lynn drum. And like, so everyone's walking around the studio and starting to move on with the tour. And I'm I'm literally standing there staring at it like that's part of my childhood right there. It's a huge part of that sound. It, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So you you obviously have some adjacency to Prince. We've been talking about that. Did you ever get a chance to hang, play, do any of that? I understand that that's a very exclusive club, but I was just curious. Yeah, because there's no know, way I belong in that club. Welcome to that <laughs> club. But, I mean, like, you know, you, you, but you, but you played with people who played with them. I mean, so it's not like you're not qualified. It's just I just wondered if ever there was any sort of, uh, in, in, you know, interaction or adjacency there. I, I never personally met him. I know he was he would come he came down to see greasy a few times uh and i'm pretty sure he was in he was in bunkers a couple of times when i played with a combo but i've never met him and i i sort of like it that way Uh because to me he's an aura somehow he's a human being he is yeah but like i will was he because he seemed a little bit bigger than a human despite his minor stature he wouldn't have been a blue man either. No chance, you know. No, if you were telling us, there's no man. Man. <laughs> We do have the Bowen boots. There was a blue man named Chris <laughs> Bowen who was the first guy outside of the three original guys who ended up stepping into the show because one of the three original guys got injured, uh-huh. and he was too short. So they made like black sole oh shoes, my like, gosh. Like, like not disco boots, wow. but like like, and they're called the Bowen shoes. So really? they after Chris Bowen, but Prince would have needed maybe a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, so I, I understand that you're, what you're saying, though, is like he was human, but like you said, he's also, he's sort of an idea. He's he's a, he's an attitude. He's literally an aesthetic, and there aren't many musicians you can say change the nature of the music we listen to during the course of our lifetimes to the extent that he did. Multiple times. Yeah, it kept changing it all the time. 
and we're not going to get into it now because we got to get to a song. We're starting to run behind. Okay. But um, I once got into it with a person that I'm like, you know, now Bob Dylan, bigger name, Bob Dylan, obviously a crucial, crucial figure. But when it comes to Minnesota musicians that change things more than anyone else, I'm pushing my chips to the middle of the table on Prince over Bob Dylan. And that doesn't doesn't mean I like him better. doesn't mean I'm not saying anyone's more talented than the other. But when you talk about someone who changed the course of Western music more than the other person, even when he went electric, not the same, man. Prince literally changed everything. Yep. I'm with you.
Not bad. What's going on? <laughs> Sorry. Did I say what? Uh, no, nothing. You were putting your hands up. You were being expressive. I thought you had something to add. Oh, I was stretching. Oh. <laughs> like stretching this? for time. Not really. Oh, I see. I see. I'm Brian. That's David. That's Sean over there. This is the Brian Oak Show, episode 214. A little music from Prince right there. And I guess I feel like I'm damning him with faint praise because there's not really such thing as a little music from Prince, is there? He took every song so seriously, and that doesn't mean there wasn't joy in it. Doesn't mean there wasn't freedom or looseness or improvisation. But man, did that guy take his toil seriously. Yep. And the th- the thing with him is, like, I was thinking about this because um, this song is a the mountains is a great example where, like, it's a it's a pretty it's a heavy grooving funk song. Right. And then all of a sudden this bridge shows up and it's like bizarre. And like with the horn arrangement and the, what key is this in now? And it's like, he, he was, he was combining so many different styles of music legitimately. It wasn't just like, Ooh, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to borrow from this because it's hot now. It's like, I'm doing this because it's amazing. You know, I feel it and I, I can create with this. And there were really no other artists doing that like in such a a unique way but also like in a drastic like what was that what, and well and really throughout his career right like so when i was saying early in the 80s when i was like this is one of the coolest new wave artists i've ever heard in my life this is also one of the funkiest motherfuckers on planet earth right now and somehow without it sounding forced in fact it's sounding revelatory he he did it, and and he would take elements from all these other things. It proved not only, I believe, his musical acumen with all the instruments that everyone knows he can play, but the fact that he was a fan, like, right? Like, you don't get into all those styles of music if you're not a fan of many different styles of music, if you don't have your head on a swivel. And that's, I guess, when I say that, like, there's really never been anyone else quite like him. Like, And clearly, he borrowed from others, right? No one lives in a vacuum, right? I mean... You know, there's Little Richard in there, right? And there's Jimi Hendrix in there. And there are Grand Funk Railroads in there. There's a ton of people in there. But it's ultimately uniquely Prince. And he changed the face of Western music while he did what he did. And even after maybe he was done with his most influential period, which, I don't know, pick a starting and ending date wherever you'd like to put. Up until the end, he never stopped making good music, right? Like, I didn't love every song and every record. But there would always be one moment where you sit there and you're like, holy shit, this can only be a Prince song. Yep. Yeah, and a really good one. Exactly. David Anania is our guest. He is freshly back from Germany, so briefly, because we don't have a ton of time left, but you end up in your Blue Man Group work, moving to Berlin. What happens that you end up in Berlin? Well, we um, we were talking about that complex tour, right? And right. so at the end of that, during the complex tour, I'll go back just briefly, uh, we were all given a survey and like with a bunch of questions, like, you know, we had like show swaps where somebody from the band or from the crew would go to Chicago for a week. And that person's doing that job from Chicago would come to New York for a week and Vegas, wherever. So that was happening already. Um, and then we got the survey on the tour and everybody in the company got it. And it's like, so would you do the swap for a week? Would you consider relocating to another show in the States? Blah, blah. Would you consider relocating to another country? Then literally would you would you move to berlin basically and i was like nope i i had no desire to go <laughs> the end i that was it and i was like cool back to the rock tour yeah and we get done christmas break get back in the, so this was the like 
<laughs> February of 2004. Okay. And the music supervisor for the company comes up to me and like it was the wedding party for the sound supervisor of the company. He's like, you wouldn't want to move to Berlin, would you? I was like, ah, I'll be right back. And so I you know, went and found the tour manager from our rock tour. I was like, Murph, Matt Murphy, this guy is yeah. great. It's like, Murph, Todd just asked me if I want to move to Berlin. What do I do? What do I do? He's like, well, you say yes. And then if you don't like it, yeah. then you say yeah. no and come back or whatever. I was like, no. Oh, okay, cool. I was like, yeah. He's like, good. We need you there on March 31st or, whatever, or March 15th. And it was like February 20 oh. something. And I'm like, you got a couple of weeks tops. I, I, yeah. But the thing was, is like Greasy Meal had booked a week at, I think it was, is it the, oh God, the Terrarium Studio. I think it's up in Northeast on um, Hennepin, yep. which we... It ended up being where we recorded our, well, I guess up to this point, it was our last studio record called Universe's Baby. And that was slated for the last week of March. And then we were doing a weekend at the Caboose to celebrate, um, which we did. And I'm like, ah, I'll, can I go April 1st? He's like, he's like, if you say you'll do it, I don't care when. Uh-huh. You go. So he, they really needed me to go over there because they, they, somebody had, was like wasn't able to make it uh, couldn't do it, whatever I'm like okay and they you know i had a good track record i learned stuff quickly and i can make it happen and they also needed somebody from the states to help train and make sure that everybody we hired knew like kind of stuck to the blue man aesthetic it's a very unique music like it's kind of rock it's kind of punk it's definitely very drum oriented right but if you get too tricky like like Vinnie Kaliuta, Dave Weckl <laughs> Studio, L.A. Cat, it just doesn't work. Right. And it, it you know, not at all. Well, everyone's so, got to be able to feel it, right? I mean, like, not everybody who's showing up is going to have a music theory degree. They don't mind complex drumming, but they also have to be able to groove. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, we don't have complex drumming in the show because it's, there's like, well, in the, the Berlin show, we had four drummers. Five, yeah, four drummers, plus then you've got the three blue men on stage, so we had to be tight. And so if people are just wanting to do their thing and like being super technically, like I went to Berkeley College of Music, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going to work. And it's not about that. It's about like just guttural. Yeah, nailing you know. it. Well, I mean, so, but it's also not like, oh, it's a drum circle at the end of a dead show out in, you know, Northern California either. I mean, there's focus. This is real work. It's a real show. So you end up in Berlin. You're part of the Blue Man Group. You end up staying for 17 years but where are you playing? Like, are, are you touring the entire continent? Are you touring around the world? Are you playing strictly in Berlin? What's it like while you're living there? Yeah, we, I mean, they chose Berlin as the first show outside the States to have a production. So we were like kind of a guinea pig. Um, and so there's a company called Stage Entertainment based in Europe. They licensed our show and they, you know, they licensed, you know, Wicked or Dirty Dancing or Broadway show, this and that. So we were just kind of that for them. And they put us in this huge theater in Berlin, like 1,700 seats, and we were there for two or three years, and then we had to start like closing the balcony curtains because it's just a lot. It's yeah. way too many seats. And Blue Men's show, like the part of the aesthetic is the music, but a huge part of it is the intimacy with like mm. something as simple as the distance between the Blue Men and the audience because right. that wall gets broken during the show, or at least it used to until two years ago. And so what ended up happening is Stage Entertainment found a theater across the street from our big theater. It was an old IMAX theater and moved us so that we could stay 
because otherwise we probably would have had to close and move and be done. But so they put us in this theater. It's a sit down show, 600 seats, six nights a week. Uh, and that's basically been my home base the whole time. I mean, I did a few shows. We had a show in Tokyo for a while. I went over there to help do a little bit of training and did that. Um, Amsterdam, London, whatever we, we, we had a lot going on, but Berlin is, it's been my, my home base. And so two important questions coming off of that. One is you said that they, they used to break down the fourth wall and that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's part of it. There's, there is, despite their sort of alien aesthetic of distancing, there's something very real and very human about the Blue Man experience, right? It's very visceral. It's very interactive. And when you talk about them breaking down the fourth wall up until two years ago, what changed two years ago? Pandemic. Oh, right. No more live shows. Pretty hard to have that interactive, visceral, you know, uh, critical mass experience when there's no one in the theater. Yeah. And, and that, that was a huge part of it. And I mean, the, the Blue Man character, the whole idea behind it is that it's like a, an egoless being that is sort of there to kind of explore the space in a way mm. and like connect with the audience or figure out how to connect with the audience. And so that's why there's all of this like pop culture references, because they use that to be like this. You do this. What do you do with it? And it, so it's really fun. It's a really fun show and a great, great premise. Um, but yeah, the pandemic happened. We were closed for 18 months. And then we had to reopen with a bunch of new material that was written strictly according to hygiene rules because you we can't go into the audience anymore. Right. They're the blue men. And we have, you know, there's a lot of stuff that flies around and we can't, uh-huh. you know, so we had to, they, they had to rewrite a ton of material and our music director and the blue man captain and the company manager like went off on writing retreats to well, probably drown their sorrows, but then also came up with great material. So we were allowed to reopen at the mm. end of September. Um, so of yeah, this year, we're talking of this about, year. So right. yeah, whatever, three, three, four months ago. So I'm going to ask you, and I rarely, rarely dive into trade secrets. Blue man, due to the nature of the presentation and the blue men themselves seems very ripe for sort of franchising. Are there different blue men groups in different countries? Plenty. All right. And again, I'm not asking you to talk out of school. I knew the answer kind of in my own head, but I just needed needed a little insider verification. No, so, but, the, but I mean, that's the thing. Like when, when and we're there's talk- no crime in that. I mean, it's a no. great show, right? Yeah. The, I, I promise you right now, for people who've gone out to see Hamilton, that's one of about 15 touring acts of Hamilton, right? Exactly. And you didn't enjoy it any less. I was just curious if, you know, when I when I hear about the Berlin faction, and I'm certain that there are factions in other parts of the world as well, um, I just, I wondered if it was sort of a, a rotating bit. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, even, even in the States, before they opened Berlin, it was New York, Boston, Chicago, and Vegas. So there was already four shows running simultaneously. Oh, and so that, that was four entirely separate units. Exactly. All right. And so, yeah, they did Berlin. And, you know, we had all these shows in Europe and, uh, uh, let's see, yeah, Japan mm-hmm. and a um, couple of national tours and the whole thing. So it's like once they realized they didn't have to do every show, which is this Chris Bowen dude when the one guy got injured and he had the Bowen shoes, they were like, oh. Wait a minute. Hey, now. We can be rich. We could. <laughs> well, and it worked, didn't it? It sure did. No, yeah, and, hey. and it's a, it's an incredible show. I fell in love with the show, not only with just the music, but also 
the comedy and the it's in, it's super smart. Super it's way smart. smart. And even if you just want to go for a rock show, like, you know, kind of like think about um. And I'm not trying to diminish what Blue Man represents or what they've what they've accomplished, but you know, for people who are like, oh, I'm not going to go see that movie, but it's this beautiful showpiece summertime popcorn movie. Even if you're not deeply into music or you're not really interested in sort of the the more eggheady elements of what Blue Man does, and you just want to go for a cool rock show it's one of the coolest i've ever seen it's very very entertaining oh cool thank you yeah and it's it's fun i mean you just paint there's music there's science there's comedy it's whatever it's like and and there's rhythm man there is deep deep rhythm yeah it's heavy it's super super primal in a way yes it is and that's part of this whole connection if you if you go into the theater to see blue man show and you really allow yourself to kind of let go that's the key there are people who have walked out of there not having gotten it at all, and they hated it, and that's okay, because it's really you just, it's about kind of like just being okay with it, whatever it is, and not trying to you know there's no, there's no plot. Well, it's your own interpretation of the art, I think, and, and yeah. I've only seen it on video; I haven't seen it live. But I it, I always had this sense in my own head of these aliens coming that are the blue men, and they're witnessing this culture and this thing that's happening. That's what my perspective was, but. Yeah, I suppose other people could have their own exactly, thing with it. Exactly. Yeah. And as yeah. long as you just, I mean, you know, but there are some people that are, that can't get in touch with no, that. No, no, that, no, no, no. Like no, letting no. go part of it. No. And that so was the walk- most fascinating part to me is I, I think you nailed it on the head. Yeah. Do you remember the old French mime troupe, the Bowman Chants? Oh, yeah. With yeah. The, that's, yeah the I mean, they paper. would have the toilet paper eyes yeah. And, yeah. and ears, but then also sometimes they'd oh have the clay gosh. faces yeah. where they'd mess it up. It's that kind of, it's got that same kind of alien nature yeah. to it. You're like, what the hell am I looking at? But at the same time, extremely human, right? But told through the lens of someone who seems like they might be a stranger and is trying to figure out what the hell we are, just like we're trying to figure out what the hell we are. Yeah, that's that's exactly. And actually, the the end of the Blue Man show was commenting on moment shots. Really? Yeah, we we used to flood the theater with rolls of toilet mm. paper that would drop down <laughs> at the back of the house, oh. and they would just pass this like just continuous stream of toilet paper like and it so it also involved everybody in the audience right. who just like had to pass it on or take it and play with yeah. it or whatever right it was this like multi-sensorial mm. like hands-on experience where it's another breaking down of that fourth wall where just everybody's involved mm-hmm. and so it's, it's really interesting that you brought that up because that's I was, I was like, oh, I remember. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, it, yeah. it's just the same sort of sort of weird, you know, like as Sean said, alien types that are interpreting the human experience, but very, very enjoyable and a great rock show. Even again, at the very, if you're going in looking for nothing more, Blue Man Group does a great job of that. We got to wrap it up. And I want to ask you the most important question because we haven't seen you in a long time. And I know that you made a point to get back home here whenever you can, yeah. but you live abroad, right? I mean, you lived in Berlin and Berlin is awesome. And I have about 8,000 other Berlin questions. We don't have the time <laughs> though, but you're back now. What brought you back home? Um, it was time for me to come home. Yeah. Yeah. And my heart is here. I will say that it's a very wonderful reason to come back here. Um, and I realized after 17 years that my initial no check on that survey <laughs> and, and I, I don't mean to downplay it because Berlin and Europe in general is it's, it's incredible to mm-hmm. live. There. I'm certain. And I'm, I'm giving up a lot of really like, like, the culture and like how they treat 
treat each other, everything from oh, health insurance, you know, whatever. Education. Yeah, yeah education. <laughs> you don't have to be shy va- about anything vacation, you want to say. Like, Transportation, like, I'm, vacation. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, like I'm coming from five weeks of paid vacation mm-hmm. a year to none. Uh-huh. You know? Yep. But it's for a wonderful reason. And um, I just realized after being there for so long that, and with wonderful friends there and like irreplaceable experiences, it's not my home. And Minneapolis is, and I want to come back. And I, you know, I, I was just kind of trying to figure out how to do it because I'm leaving a lot of things, including something as basic as health insurance to come back Mm -hmm. to the States where I would have to, as a musician, pay for it. And a job fell into my lap where I will be, um, representing a German company that is, is creating digital drums, like electronic drums. And I will be the U S like the U S representative and promoter like like i will play these things i will go around and i'll be like shopping them to like to like to stores that kind of thing okay i mean like do you want to tell us the name of the company you're more than welcome to the the company is called geva which it's spelled g-e-w-a but they pronounce their w's in germany as a v like Mm -hmm. a light v so it's Mm -hmm. geva and it's geva digital drums and they're fantastic like i've done videos for them this summer and you know they, they were asking me it's like so how are things? You Berlin? Is everything? I was like, I was like, well, mm-hmm. and they knew they had this position, and I had no idea. And then you know, a couple of months later, they're like, "Would you like a job?" <laughs> Basically, like they offered right. me this job, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Can I do it for Minneapolis?" They're like, "Yeah." I was like, "Signed." You did not check no to I Berlin. Check you checked no. yes to Minneapolis. Yeah. So, I mean, it, obviously you'd been thinking about coming back for a while, yeah. and this was the tipping point, right? I mean, like, this has been something that's been in your head, but, I mean, Berlin had to be a riot, though, right? I mean, your time in Berlin, I can't even fathom. I've never been to Berlin, let alone the thought of living there for the better part of 20 years. You have to be, and again, I'm not trying to be all melancholy about it, but there had to have been some pretty amazing times there. I don't remember a single one of them. It, fantastic. That's yeah. exactly what I wanted to hear. And now you're back. Well, good luck to you, man, in all Thank your you. future endeavors, and it's really nice to see your face again. Yeah, I was. It was a pleasure to be back here and hang out with you guys. And I just, I'm really happy that I could do this. And it's, it's a, a wonderful welcoming to come home. Will you message you. me when you're sitting in on drums for the combo coming soon? If 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 they want to torture themselves with that, I no, will no, gladly no. let you, you know. Yeah. Seriously, let me know if that's going to happen because I'm going to start going to see them again soon. Okay. Um, please let me know because I would love to see you well, with them sometime. I will gladly do that. And if yeah. nothing else, then you and I will go down there together and we can Let's all go. hang out. And, Let's and do it. I can do that. Yeah, I, for sure. I'm, that, I'm, in, I'm definitely, in, it's due for a jaw-dropping musical mm-hmm. experience. Well, that was actually my last, last, last question <laughs> is I know you've come back as part of this representative of this drum company, but in your heart of hearts you are a musician that is who you are and what you do so you're able to articulate why these drums matter and just how good they are what they are but i've got to imagine that you can only go so long without playing so i mean do you have any current plans (laughs) to play well i was very fortunate in finding first of all um a lower level of a duplex with a finished basement go on and so uh, that's happening. So I will have my very own drum room, which is great for the company because I'll be working out of my home. So it was all great. And my 
beautiful this beautiful Gretsch kit is going in there too. So I'm just gonna be I'm going to be annoying my neighbors on a regular basis. <laughs> um, but I'm already reaching out. It's like I I really I Jim Anton, if you're listening, Tommy Barbarella, if you're listening, <laughs> but like like I I will do as much playing as humanly possible with these people because that was that's another huge reason for me to want to come back here as I've had the greatest music experiences of my life in this city with some of the most incredible musicians I've ever known. And if I'm able to get back into doing something, not maybe regularly or maybe whatever, I will jump at every opportunity to make that happen. Welcome back, David. Thanks, Brian. Good to see you, man. Great to see Welcome you. Welcome back, you, man. Great yeah, to see you. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You Good bet. to see you too, Sean. You um, too. Happy New Year. Happy I mean, New Year, almost. we're not quite there yet, yeah. but... I guess I shouldn't open up my big mouth. I was going to say we're almost there, but I don't know. These next couple of days could be real long. <laughs> After the last two years, who knows what the fuck is next? Exactly. That's going to do it for episode 214 of the Brian Oak Show. Want to thank the good people at Smart Start MN. Want to thank the good people at Forgotten Star Brewing. Also, thanks to the good people at Audio Quip. Audio Quip is who has provided us with all this amazing equipment here in our studio, and they've done it without really asking for much in return at all over the course of two years. So Nate and his entire t- crew, they do a great job. You need equipment for whatever you're doing to broadcast, to amplify, to whatever. Please get a hold of audio equipment. Make sure it's the Minnesota audio equip. A couple other pretenders out there. Carpetbaggers. Let's keep your head on a swivel. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, I feel it's like when you think day. you're going to see the Las Vegas Blue Man Group, but you get stuck with that Berlin squad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, and thanks to all of our Patreon members and everybody who's ever done anything to subscribe, listen, support, amplify, share, anything relating to the Brian Oak Show. We couldn't do without you. So we'll be back again next time. But before we bid our final farewell... Because you are who you are, David Anania, you have chosen one of the, again, I told you that growing up, my knowledge of R&B was limited, to say the very least. But then as I've gotten older, and especially now these days, working at a record store in addition to my other duties, I just get to flip through things and throw things on all the time. Now, this guy I found quite a few years ago, but I keep finding people adjacent to him or in the same thing where I'm like, how did I make it into my fucking 50s without ever hearing of this artist? So for people who don't know Bill Withers, man, why Bill Withers? Well, this song specifically, it's um, this is one of the songs where the drummer is just smoking. It's this guy named James Gadsden. And... Uh, it's just one of the funkiest grooves ever, and the tambourine entrance is unbelievable. It comes in like on the end of whatever beat, where he's just like, "What? Why did you did you not get the memo that the song started?" <laughs> um, and this song actually is it's personally special to me. It's like uh, I had like a countdown app about when I was going to make this trip back, and so this was one of the songs I had, and it was so it's sentimental as well. Wow.
angel sings. She's such a pretty thing, and I can feel my heart just thumping and skipping when I'm kissing my love. She does. 